really warm welcome to the teaching ministry of New Life Church Crawley. We're a multicultural, intergenerational church. We believe in the gospel of Christ. We believe in spreading his love through his word and through his works. We really hope that you enjoy what you hear today. We'd love for you to connect with us via the usual social media outlets, such as Facebook or on our website. So I went to gym and there was a young boy and you know, his friends were talking, so he's a Christian. So they were like um, trying to, like, oh, you know, your beliefs are not right, you know, trying to be like, oh, you know, Christianity is not modern. And I prayed in my heart and I said, God, just give me five minutes mm. with this boy. And his friends left, so it was just literally me and him, and we literally had a full conversation about the gospel. Amen. So, um, like, like I said, sometimes we think that, you know, when we pray for workers, you're thinking that it's some prophet Somebody or else. some evangelist, yeah. but it can just be you. Yeah. And then I have a new um, verse. So this week, it was repeated in the first encounter night that we had. It was Acts 3.19. Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Amen. And I realized that for the refreshing to come, sometimes it says repent. Yeah. And in the encounter tonight, Kerry talked about decluttering. Yeah. And sometimes for that refreshing to come, sometimes for that anointing to come, some, sometimes there's something holding you back from Absolutely. the Lord. It could be sin, it could be a stronghold, it could be anything. So I just wanted to share that word. Absolutely, yeah. thank you. And you know, thank you, yes. When we pray for God to give us open doors, that's a Bible prayer. Sometimes we're expecting a barn wide open door. Sometimes it's, it's a sliver and we just have to put our foot in the door and open it when it comes. Sophie, come on Rose as well. Good morning, church. Praise God so much. Uh, last week, I wanted to give a testimony about my daughter. Maslin, come here. <laughs> um, I wasn't at school, but one of the, um, the, the, the teachers that volunteer at school uh, took a recording, and uh, Maslin was one of the best pupils in, <laughs> in the school. And... Um, um, she, had, she got a special recognition for that. Well done, Maslin. Yeah, well done. <laughs> we shared this with Pastor, and yeah. And I just want to thank God for, um, for how God has carried us through. Um, uh, Pastor and Kerry, you know what happened to us. And um, um, I, as it is, I'm a single parent. But God has carried us through. Amen. There's been challenges, but yeah, we are getting on, and uh, we are carrying through. And I want to take this opportunity to thank a few people in church, my pastor, Kerry, my sister, Edith, um, uh, my sister, Grace, and um, my sister, Peace. They've stood in the gap for me. It's good. Several times I'm on the phone call with them or text messages, but I've never got a word that discourages me. They're always pushing me forward. Sometimes they say, they say things and I don't even think they are there. And, and then, but, but I, get, I get on and, you know, um, we've carried through. It's been challenging, as I can tell you, very yeah. challenging. But by God's grace, we are here. And um, I got a new job. I'm going to be a theater practitioner. We're just, waiting, we're just waiting for all the other Dutchmen to come through. Amen. And probably by mid-Feb or beginning of Feb, if things go quick, 
I'll be a theater practitioner in Queen Victoria Hospital. Amen. That's a blessing. Yeah. It's not a Bible verse, and I won't sing it for you, but there is a... Oh, do you want me to? That seemed a bit enthusiastic. I won't. We all need somebody to lean on. We, we need one another. That's why we talk about community. We're not a perfect church, and if you're looking for a perfect church, go somewhere else. We're not a perfect church, but we do love people, and we want to see the best for them. Rose? Uh, yes, yeah, so I wanted to... Um, Just hold it up a little bit. Oh, share my testimony this morning as an answer to prayer for... I get quite emotional. For my youngest son, Joseph. Um, so both of my sons gave their lives to Jesus as children, but they've since gone away. Um, Joseph left university a couple of years ago now. Um, he... Um, studied in Spanish and Italian. Once he left university, he decided he didn't really want to follow a, a career with languages, and he looked for other things. He got a sales job up in London um, almost a year ago now. It was a terrible, terrible company. They, they taught um, their employees to, be, to talk down to people and to be rude to people. He only lasted 10 days, and then he handed his notice in because he said, Mum, I can't do this anymore. So since then, he's been working for my brother in his golf shop in Crawley, um, has had lots of uh, customer, you know, face-to-face -face contact. He's really um, grown in his um, confidence, um, and he's been looking for a job um, ever since then, like a, like a proper job, <laughs> a career job, and he's been coming home every day and going on the internet and applying for jobs, and he's just had um, letdown after letdown, just mm. hasn't had anything. Then just after Christmas, I think it was, Liz, Liz and Ian popped round to see us, um, and Ian had seen um, a job um, email from um, a Christian holiday company called Richmond Holidays. We've been skiing with them before, when, uh, just no, so not long after I split up with my husband, Liz and Ian said, why don't you come skiing with us? And we, we took the boys out. It was just an amazing holiday. Um, anyway, so Ian saw this job advertised. They were looking for um, a travel consultant. And we just read down the list of qualities that they were looking for, and it was just Joseph to a T. Um, but they said, and they, and they said on the email, that they have um, a, a Bible study and prayer meeting every morning. Yeah. And you had, to, yeah. you had to agree to attend that. So he said, Mom, I don't think they should be allowed to say that. But, <laughs> 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 but I'm going to apply. I don't think I'll get it. And I'll say to them that, yes, I will, I will go along. And I will be happy to thank God for things. But that's where kind of my Christianity um, ends. So anyway, I got home from work a week or two ago and he said, um, Mom, do you want some good news? And I said, oh yes please. And he said, well I've had three rejections from jobs today but I got one um, acceptance. Richmond Holidays have asked if I can go for an interview. <laughs> so um, I persuaded him it would be best to go down there rather than do an online interview because I said you need mm. to go and see them and see what they're like, whether you think you'll be happy. So, sorry, just prior to this, um, a few months ago, he decided that he was going to go and live in Poole. He's got a friend down there who's got um, a two-bedroom um, flat who was looking for someone to flat share, and Joseph said, I think I want to go down there just branch out. So he'd been looking for jobs in Poole or around the area. And the Richmond Holiday offices are in Bournemouth, which is about 
20 yeah. minutes. Yeah. It's like us from here to Horsham, kind of. So um, anyway, he went down for his interview on Wednesday and he heard on Friday that he's got the job. Amazing. <laughs> Excellent. So, what a blessing. So, sorry, can I just add one more thing? So just thank you very much for you all You do realise I'm preaching this morning? <laughs> oh, sorry. Just, just checking. <laughs> Thank you so much for all of you who have been praying for him, because I know that, you know, I've shared this and I know lots of you have been praying. So thank you very much. Excellent. So we look, we look forward to friends, family and pastors discounts. At, uh, uh, so let's take a moment to welcome one another. If you're new here, then folks will come to you. And then Kerry's going to come up in a minute and begin our teaching of the word of God. So let's get up. Let's move around. Let's say hello. If you're new here, then folks will come to you. God's blessing on you. Uh, morning, everybody. I think that we can all be split into two halves. We've got the people that love change, that embrace change, that like everything to be different all the time. And if somebody says, we're going to change this, they say, bring it on. And then there's people like me that hate change that want everything to stay the same. And I found an amazing quote that I think sums up what I used to be. It says, our dilemma is that we hate change, but love it at the same time. We really want things to stay the same, but we want them to get better. And I think that's the problem with some of us, that we just can't embrace change. And so we're just going to think a little bit today, and Theo's going to come and help me. I did warn you, Theo, don't look surprised. Come on, quick. I hope you don't run that slowly on the football pitch. Okay, so we're going to think about what do you think are the most difficult things to change? And you can think outside church as well. So what are the most difficult things to change? And Theo's going to come around with the, the microphone, put your hand up if you want to say something, he'll come over to you. What are the most difficult things to change? Wait. Heaven is the best. Sleeping habits. Oh, okay. wow. Healthy habits. Healthy habits. Behavior. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Lisa was reminding Chris today that there's Eating a habits. <laughs> the mic came. You have to butt in, don't you, Sarika? Honestly. Um, mindset. Mindset, thank you. I'll tell you the story about Moose Rinder. Weather. Say that again? Weather. Weather, yeah. I said to Amelia this morning, I blame her for the fact it's raining today because she was moaning all last week it was too cold. <laughs> now it's raining. Personality. Oh, personality, absolutely. Over here, Theo. Quickly, come on. Forgiveness. Anything else? Mine is different. It's to change from, you see your children, you are giving them orders. You know, do this, they will do. And then when they, when they have grown up now to say, to start getting now to be submissive to them in some ways. It's a great change because sometimes... It, Can we resolve issues before yeah. the service? <laughs> <laughs> Not cheering. 
not sure that Musa was ever submissive when she was young. I can't imagine her being submissive. Loving people. Other people, good one. Oh, loving people, well, good one as well. Anything else? You've all been very, like, biblical and churchy. I thought somebody was going to say light bulb. Anger. Anger, absolutely. Dilly, right at the back. Go on, run, Theo, run. Nappies. Na oh, absolutely. Waking up in the morning for school. Say that again. Yeah, when you've been off school for a few weeks and then you have to get up to go to school, that's difficult. I love my family. Aww. You can't change your age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any more? Keeping you going, Theo. Money. Money's hard to give up. I can't what was money. that? Money. Money, absolutely. Okay, brilliant. Well, we have got um, the top five things that people have said. It sounds a bit like family fortunes, doesn't it? I, I, wanna, I really want to do a ah uh -uh. The top five things that people have said are the most difficult things to change. So, hopefully, I've got some children with some envelopes. If you've got number five, can you come up? <laughs> that was speedy. I'm going to get you to do the microphone next time because you're really fast. Okay, can you hold that up? Since when did he become so clever? Can you say it really loudly? Bank. Banks. Well done. It's really difficult. Stand there and hold it up. Really difficult to change banks. So much paperwork needed. Number four. Open it up. Read it out for us. House. House. Moving house. How tricky is that? I know some of you are, are looking for new places at the moment. And if you need help packing up boxes and things, we're always around. House. Number, where are we up to? Three. Job. Job. Absolutely. Very tricky if you need to change job. Faith's back. It's lovely to see Faith back with, with us. And she started her new job and it's all going really, really well. Number two. Good job. Take the yellow card out, Edie. Well done. Can you say other people? Other people. Other people. I always think that if other people did what I wanted them to do, the world would be a wonderful place, but it doesn't happen. And then number one. Yourself. Yourself. Isn't that the trickiest thing to say? So David's going to be talking about faith and how part of that is actually realising that there's things in ourselves that we need to change. Uh, children, I want you to really try and do this well today. We've got a faith booklet and in it are some examples of some of the characters in the Bible and the way that they had to show faith. And what I'd like you to do is colour it in, stick it together and then I will give you a magnet for the back of it and you can stick it on your fridge to remind you and your adults that God is with us all the time. We need to have faith. So brilliant. Well done. Thank you. Go and Thank sit you, kids. Down. We, we don't like change, if we're honest, especially if it impacts on our personal life, on our daily life. But actually, making spiritual shifts is something that God wants us to do. 
And I'm convinced before Christmas, uh, I just felt God dropped this little series uh, in, into our hearts. Because I think he wants us to change as individuals. And I think he wants us to change as a church as well. Grace noted last week, the, the one of the key scriptures, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we need that element of faith in order to please God. So if you have your Bible, we're going to turn to Mark chapter 11, and we're going to unpack some of what Jesus talks about faith. This is one of those passages, one of those verses, where I think there's been a lot of misunderstanding. So I want to talk a little bit of faith, and then next week, uh, some of you mentioned that our, our own mindsets are the, one of the most difficult to change. So today is faith part one, next week is faith part two talking about changing limiting beliefs in our mind. So come along. It's going to be a great message, and I think it'll be really applicable to your everyday life. So Mark 11, verse 20. We'll come to the context and background in a minute, but let's just pick up at verse 20. The next morning, as they passed by the fig tree Jesus had cursed, the disciples noticed that it had withered from the roots up. Peter remembered what Jesus had said, to the tree on the previous day and exclaimed, look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. Then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything and if you believe that you received it, it will be yours. But when you're praying, first forgive anyone that you're holding a grudge against, that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. You know, I think one of the challenges with a verse like this is it can easily lead into a kind of a, a, a jackpot slot, put your money in the slot mentality with God. And I, I don't think this is what it's saying. It's faith, not presumption. It doesn't mean that if you pray hard enough, God will give you whatever you want. Because none of you came to church in Lamborghinis this morning. None of you can retire just yet. Well, some of you have, but you, you understand what I'm saying? It's not the, whatever we wish. It's not wishful thinking. It's not put your money in the slot and God's a jackpot. The problem with that kind of thinking is that's faith in faith, not faith in God. And some of the teaching that I've heard is about having faith in faith and not having faith in God. As Sophie said this morning, faith in God actually means sometimes pushing through the difficult circumstances and knowing that God is with you in it. We'll unpack that in the middle. Faith is linked to the will of God, not our whims. It's really important that we grab hold of that because even James said, sometimes you have not because you don't ask. And when you do ask, you ask with selfish motives so you'll get what you want. And faith is not about our whims, it's about the will of God. Psalm 37 verse 4 is one of those famous verses that says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Sometimes people focus on that second half, you know, God giving me what I want. But how many of us are, are putting our lives in line with His desires? How many of us are putting our delight in him? And sometimes I think God just wants us to delight in him. As we did it this morning in the worship when you were free in worship, just delighting in God for no other reason than it's right to delight in him. Because what I've found in my experience is when we delight in him and we're not coming to God like a toddler, give me, give me, give me, I want, I want, 
when we delight in him, suddenly there is a shift in our perspective. Suddenly there is a shift in our mindset. Suddenly there's a shift in our desire that somehow they come into line with God's will and he can give us the desires of our heart because they're in line with what he wants anyhow. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Proverbs 3 is another one of those famous verses. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. See, the challenge, what we do when it comes to prayer is we say, God, I need, God, I want. And of course, there's times to express our needs. Jesus said, give us our daily bread. So that is appropriate. But if that's all we do, then that's immature, isn't it? If my children came to me and all they ever, I want, I need, then it's not much of a relationship. God wants us to come to him and actually in all our ways submit to him. But what we sometimes do is, God, I'd really like to do this. Would you bless this? (laughs) I've already decided this is what I'm going to do and I'd like your blessing, please. Amen. Come on. Am Am I talking truth here? I am. But scripture says, in all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. 1 John 5, 14 is one of those verses that, again, Grace quoted last week. This is the confidence that if we ask anything according to his will, he hear us, hears us. That word confidence means a confident boldness. It's used a number of times in scripture where people who are in tune with God's will, who are in line with God's will, and as someone, someone prayed, may have been Josie in the prayer meeting earlier, the righteous are bold as a lion because they know they're in the right place. They have that confidence. It's not arrogance. It's confidence because they know the will of God. And I would suggest to you, if you want to know the will of God, then engaging with scripture is a good place to start. That's why for those of you who see me often, even in the prayer meeting, if you've noticed, I often have my Bible open and I'm praying the Bible because I know when I'm praying the Bible, I'm praying according to the will of God. So if we know more of the scripture, then it's easier to pray with boldness and confidence according to the will of God. We know from what Jesus taught his disciples, Matthew 6, 10, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. We all know that. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done. So the purpose of prayer is not to get man's will done in heaven, (laughs) but to get heaven's will done on earth. To get God's will done on earth, as it is in heaven on earth. Not the other way around, but sometimes we've, we've shifted that, haven't we? We've made that the other way around. God, this is my will. Amen. I'd like it done in heaven. It's not. It's God's will in heaven then to be done on earth. In Mark 11, if, if you have a Bible that has headings, then you will notice from verse 12 that Jesus curses the fig tree. There's only two times in the Bible that Jesus does anything destructive with nature. The other time is in Mark 5 where he casts the demons into the pigs and and they die as a result. But this is part of a lesson Jesus is trying to teach. And from Mark 11 to, to 26, Jesus is actually trying to give us a couple of spiritual lessons. And there's two I want to draw out for you. Number one, the context is a lesson from Jesus on spiritual failure. That's what the cursing of the fig tree and then the clearing of the temple. That's what it's about. 
because the f- cursing of the fig tree in particular is, is a picture the, the original readers and listeners would have understood that when he cursed the fig tree, in a sense, he's, he's referring to Israel. Because Israel is described in the Old Testament, I think it's on the next slide, he's described in the Old Testament, it's associated with a fig tree. And a fig tree that should have blossomed, a fig tree that should have borne fruit. But Jesus is coming, and in fact, just after this story, it says that the authority of Jesus is questioned. Time and time again, the religious leaders are not that fruitful tree. They're like the tree Jesus seen, that he saw it, it had leaves. So there was the expectation of fruit. And he went expecting fruit, but there was no fruit. And that, Jesus, is trying to give us a picture of spiritual failure amongst the nation of Israel. These were people who were meant to be a light to the Gentiles. That was Israel's purpose. God didn't choose them because they were clever. God didn't choose them because they were special in their own human abilities. He chose them out of his own love, one of the weakest of the nations, and God chose them to be a glory for the Gentiles. Read it in the Old Testament. They were meant to witness to God so that those outside of the nation would come to embrace him. But what did the leaders do? They rejected him. In fact, they encouraged the crowd to reject him. One week they're shouting Hosanna, the next week they're shouting crucify him. So when Jesus is coming and cursing the fig tree, it's a lesson for Israel that they were outwardly, outwardly fruitless And then they were inwardly corrupt. If you think Jesus is all meek and mild, then you haven't read the story of him clearing the temple. Jesus was angry because they had made the house of God a den of thieves and robbers. So the area that they were doing all the money exchanges, and not only money exchange, they were actually extorting travelers and pilgrims who had to come from a long way and therefore couldn't bring the animal sacrifices. So when they came into the temple courts, even the Gentiles offering sacrifices, they had to buy from the local merchants who were extorting them. So the very temple that should have been a place of prayer was becoming a a place of robbery and extortion and Jesus gets really angry because it's a lesson For Israel, it's a lesson on spiritual failure. People who should have known better, people who should have listened, people who had received the word of God, but they didn't listen. The second one is a a lesson on true faith. Jesus comes in and he says, have faith in God. Have faith in God. And it's not just a, a warm, fuzzy feeling that Jesus is talking about. So often we think if we're in a good mood or, or we're positive or the service was really good, yeah, I can take on the world. That's not necessarily faith. It's not faith in faith. It's not faith in our feelings. Faith in God means to be constantly trusting him and living in an attitude of dependence on him. That's what faith is, living in an attitude of dependence. It's not leaning on your own understanding to work things out. It's submitting to him and trusting that he will direct your paths. In Jewish imagery, this idea of a mountain, like for us, we talk about mountains. It's the idea of something that's strong. It's something that's immovable. It's a problem that stands in the way and it links back to the Old Testament in Zechariah where God says, it's not by might. It's not your own might, Zerubbabel. It's not your own power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And then he goes on to say, and it's grace to it. 
grace to it. Read it, Zechariah 7. It's always grace. It's not as working up a feeling. It's not as feeling positive. Faith is more than feeling positive, though it's not a bad thing to have a positive mindset. But it's more than that. Now, I think we can read this wrong and make it faith in faith or faith in our feelings. But Jesus give a lot of examples of, of teaching and prayer. This isn't the only one. And we know that some people have taken this out of context and said, oh, you can pray for whatever you want and God will have to give it to you. But that's not what Jesus is saying, is he? Because we know from other scriptures, we have to know the word of God. We have to know the will of God in order to pray with boldness and confidence. And I think one of the things that happened in the early church, and it can happen today, We'll pick up in this a little in two weeks' time when we start our series on Corinthians. Uh, I'll give a notice about that later. And one of the dangers is, is this uh, danger of triumphalism. It's the idea, oh, well, Jesus has come. The kingdom of God has come. So we're kings now. We should have everything now. But actually, we live in a fallen, broken world. And even Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. He said about the poor, you're going to have them always. Now, one day, everything will be put onto his feet. One day, there will be no more sadness, no more sickness, no more tears, no more death. But we're not there yet, folks. So the kingdom of God has come, but not yet fully. But the problem with the Corinthian church is they had the gift of, gifts of the Spirit. They, they were saved from a pagan background, and they were coming and saying, therefore, it doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter that we sleep around. It doesn't matter what we do with our bodies. It doesn't matter what we do with uh, communion. And we'll come on to that in time in the series. And Paul's coming and saying, well, listen, look at my life as an apostle. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 8 and 9. You think you have already everything you need. You think you're already rich. You've begun to reign in God's kingdom without us. I wish you really were reigning for then we would be reigning with you. Instead, I sometimes think God has put us apostles on display like prisoners of war at the end of a victor's parade condemned to die. We have become a spectacle to the entire world, to people and angels alike. And if you know the story of First and Second Corinthians, Paul says, listen, I'm a fool for doing this, but if I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast in the Lord. But look at my life as an apostle. I've been shipwrecked. I've been beaten. I've been stoned. I've been left for dead. I've been in the open sea. All of these things. He said, all of this is my ministry in serving Christ. Oh, but you're kings. You have everything. And that means you can do what you want. And the danger is in the modern, some elements of the modern church, that we have this triumphalism. And usually, <laughs> it means the triumphalist people and the hyper-faith people they encourage you to give so they have a second jet. Come on, it happens. Isn't this true? They're, they're living in a way they want you to give so they have a triumphalist. And folks, it's not the whole picture of the Bible. God says he wants to bless us, but 1 John 3 says, I pray that you might prosper even as your soul prospers. God wants us to prosper from the inside out. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Psalm 62 says, listen, don't pursue riches and trust in Psalm 62 verse 10. Don't trust in riches. Don't pursue that. In fact, Paul goes on to say to Timothy, there's some people who have pursued wealth and their faith has become shipwrecked. 
So God is not promising us material wealth. He's not promising us that we should even focus on that or trust in it. James said, what is your life? It's like a mist. Don't trust in riches. You say, tomorrow I'm going to do this. Tomorrow I'm going to do this. You can't plan for anything. Don't trust in riches. Be careful of this message of triumphalism that distorts faith to say you can have whatever you want and you should be healthy and wealthy. That's not the gospel of the New Testament. I'm sorry. It's not the whole picture and you need to read the whole picture. Faith is critical to do with demonstrating God's kingdom. Faith is critical to do with demonstrating God's kingdom. Let your kingdom come. In Mark 9, Jesus talks a little bit about faith. And the disciples, like us, get it wrong at times. And he goes into Mark 9, verse 29. Jesus heals a demon-possessed boy because the disciples couldn't do it. And, 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 and Jesus is kind of challenging him. And you can read parallel passages on this. Let's pick up at verse 28. Afterwards, when Jesus is alone in the house with his, the disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer or only by prayer and fasting. Some of the manuscripts talk about prayer and fasting. That's why we believe in prayer. That's why we believe in fasting. We'll say a little bit more about that later. But is he talking about those spirits? Or possibly... Is he talking about the kind of lack of faith or unbelief that the disciples had? Because Jesus was mad at the disciples. The only time Jesus gets mad or is amazed in the Gospels is either faith or lack of faith on people's parts. In fact, in Mark 6, remember when he went to his hometown, they're amazed at his teaching. But then they begin to question his authority. Who are you? You're Joseph, son of, we know you. And the scripture says in Mark 6, verse 5 and 6, that Jesus couldn't do any mighty miracles there because of their unbelief. So I want to suggest to you, maybe, I don't know, we're not going to make a doctrine out of it, but, but maybe this kind that he's talking about is not only referring to the demons, but maybe he's talking about the need to root out lack of faith or unbelief in our life. This kind of unbelief only comes out by prayer and fasting. It's an interesting thought, isn't it? Turn with me to Romans chapter one for a second. Romans chapter one. Paul's explaining the gospel. Romans one verse 16. Many of you will know this. You may have memorized this. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel or the good news about Christ. It's the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. The Jew first also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. It is through, it is, as the scripture says, it is through faith that a, a righteous person has life. Some of you will notice that that's a quote in your Bible. And that's a quote from Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4. And the full verse in the New Living Translation says this. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked. (laughs) But the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. The righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. 
J.B. Phillips is another version that says this, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I see it as the very power of God working for the salvation of everyone who believes, both Jew and Greek. I see it in God's plan for imparting righteousness to men, a process begun and confirmed by their faith. For as the scripture says, the just will live by faith. You see, what I want you to grasp is it's actually the same root word, faith and faithfulness. It's the same root word. It's, it's the same meaning. So it could be translated, the just will live by faithfulness. That brings a different tenor to it, doesn't it? That brings a different shade to it because it helps us see that faith equals faithfulness. This week in the Zoom prayer that the grace led to us, she, she read a couple of verses from Acts chapter two. And in Acts chapter two, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking their bread, and to prayer. If you want to devote yourself to something, that's a good place to start. Then it goes on to say, after they had devoted themselves, God added to the church. You see, I think that connects faith and faithfulness. They did their responsibility they devoted themselves. It's not the pastor's job. It's not the leader's job. It's not the church's job to make you devoted. It's your job to devote yourself to the Lord. I can't do that for you. Trust me, I have enough problems doing it in my own life. <laughs> we devote ourselves. And then as we do that, God can add to the church. When we have a passionate spirituality, it's amazing what can happen. So you see, I want you to see that this faith and faithfulness is not some nebulous, just positive confession, that your faith, according to God, is measured by your faithfulness. In fact, it's a fruit of the Spirit, just in case you had any queries. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, it's right in there. It is the work of God in you. If you're listening to God, if you're submitting to God, God the Holy Spirit will cause you to be faithful. He'll cause you to be faithful. He'll cause you to be faithful to devote yourself to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. That, that's what he devoted, that's what he did to the early church. They had this faithfulness. You know, over the years, babes, can I have my drink, please? Over the years, I've heard many people make declarations of faith. Honestly, it sounds so positive. It, at times, it sounded very grand. It sounded very glorious. The problem was, they didn't back it up in their behavior. They didn't back it up in their faithfulness. It was just hot air. It was just words spoken. Maybe it was adrenaline in a meeting. Maybe whatever it was, it's just words spouted into the air. And honestly, as a pastor, I'm not looking for people to make great declarations of faith. I'm looking for faithfulness. I'm looking for people who don't have a veneer of faith so that when things are good, they're all, yes, hallelujah, praise the Lord. But when then things are, are difficult or things don't work out or their prayers aren't answered, it's like they're, they're, they turn into Eeyore. <laughs> we don't need 
Tigger and Eeyore Christianity. That's a veneer of faith. Faith isn't when things are going well. We, we glorify God when we say answers to prayer, when our children get jobs, when we're able to evangelize, when our kids get recognized for the, the, their, their effort and their, their work. Of course, we celebrate those times, and we should. But life isn't all like that, is it? We just know that's it's not a reality. So faith is looking to him despite how we're feeling, despite the circumstances, despite sometimes what's going on in our life. Is that possible? Yes, it is. Kerry, uh, in the prayer meeting on Friday night, talked about this theme that is the theme of our fast, about being rooted and how God, this year in particular, wants us to grow deep in God. I think he does. I think God's fed up with superficial faith. I think he's fed up with superficial Christianity. I think he's fed up with people paying lip service. And if you're not sure of that, read the Old Testament because he says it very directly. Away with your noise because you're honoring me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. God's not interested in lukewarm. In fact, in the book of Revelation, do you know what he says about lukewarm people? I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I'd rather you were hot or cold, but this lukewarm Christianity, God's not interested in because he's not looking for a veneer of faith. He's looking for people who are rooted in him. And Colossians 2 uh, verse 7 says that we be rooted and established in him, overflowing with thankfulness. Now here's the good news for you. Rooted in him is, is past tense what God has done. It should be translated, having been rooted in him. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then you have been rooted in him. And because you have been rooted in him, because you're in Christ, you can be established in your faith. You can be established. You can overflow with thankfulness. You can because of what God has done. So please don't hear this as, as a hard word or a word of legalism. This is because what a God has done for us in Christ. Amen. Amen. This is the work God has done. And so he says to us, you can be rooted in him. Kerry brought a lovely verse from Jeremiah 17 verses 7 and 8, I think it was, about a tree that's by the river waters that even in the desert, even when everything else around is barren, it draws source of nourishment and can flourish. Jesus flourished as a root out of dry ground. That's what Isaiah says. You see, your circumstances don't have to dictate whether you flourish or not. Some of you are waiting for your circumstances to shift for you to flourish. That's not what Scripture says. Scripture says that you can flourish as a root out of dry ground because Jesus did. So that requires a shift from us, but it is possible. Let's turn a couple of chapters on, Romans chapter 4, because I do believe that we can have this reality that we can understand the pressures, that we can understand the challenges we face, but still have faith in God. Romans chapter 4, verse 18, Abraham is described as the father of faith. Um, Let's pick up at verse 16. So the promise, for us, the promise of new life is received by faith. It's given as a free gift, and we're all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, If we have faith like Abraham, 
For Abraham is the father of all who believe. This is what the scripture means when when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings back the dead to life and he creates new things out of nothing. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken. Even though at about 100 years of age, he figured or he reckoned or he understood his body was as good as dead and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. Isn't that incredible? You see, sometimes people look at faith, and they distort faith, and they kind of deny reality. They want us to ignore reality and pretend it doesn't exist. That's not what the Bible says. Abraham faced the facts that his body was as good as dead. There was no way he could muster up the strength. There was no way Sir, Sir's womb could give life. He recognized that. He looked at it faced on and said, but I'm believing in a greater reality. I'm believing in greater facts. I'm believing in someone who has promised that God would be faithful to what he promised. That's what he believed in. We need to believe in the God of the promise. But we also need to face the reality of our circumstances. I'm sorry, but I meet too many Christians who won't face the reality and therefore they're not able to move on. They get stuck in stuff sometimes for decades because they won't face the reality but still stay in faith. I believe we can do both. I believe for some of you, that's that's the shift you need to make. To honestly look at your circumstances and say, I'm not where I should be. I need to shift. I need to shift my mindset. We'll talk about that next week. Something needs to shift and I'm going to pursue God and I'm going to believe that God's the God of promise until I get that breakthrough. I was reading the early chapters of Ezekiel this week and listening to it. And there's an incredible thing. Ezekiel is a bit weird. There's a lot of stuff we don't understand. But in the early chapters, it talks about a number of themes. It talks about the glory of the Lord. It talks about the word of the Lord. And Ezekiel is given in, in chapter three around verses 16 and 17. He's given this burden from God and told to eat these words that actually it said made him bitter and angry. (laughs) Sometimes you think the word of God in your life is to make you happy. Sometimes its initial reaction will not be pleasing to your flesh because you don't want to do it. Ezekiel said he obeyed God and he went and he sat for seven days with the exiles For seven days, he said nothing. And after seven days, it says the word of the Lord came to him. Then he spoke. The problem with us sometimes is we don't want to wait. We don't want to wait in that bitterness of soul at times. We don't want to wait in those times. And we we look at verses like Mark 11 and we hear these hyper-faith teachers. Oh, you don't have to deal with this. You don't have to deal with this. Just rebuke it. And for some of you, you've rebuked all those things and God's going, stop rebuking it, turn on the light. 
You don't rebuke the darkness when you go into a room, do you? You turn on the lights. Some of you need to stop rebuking the darkness and turn on the light. <laughs> Thank you. I'm trying. <laughs> Sometimes, folks, we just need to shift something inside us. Whether that is, as Dee said this morning, whether that is something we need to repent from, whether it is something we need to deal with in our life, but we may have to take that first step. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up. That's one of the reasons why I believe in prayer and fasting. Psalm 34, David, David says, or maybe 35, we um, says, I humble myself with fasting. That's the benefit of fasting. It's not to twist the arm of reluctant God. It's to get us in the right place. It's to get us in the position so that we can hear from God. Even if the word seems bitter, we can wait on it. Then we can speak the word of the Lord. Next Sunday, we'll have a great celebration. We'll be eating together. There'll be dedication. But you've still seven days to participate in this fast. You've still seven days to hear the word of the Lord. Will you, will you be willing? If you haven't already started, you can start today. You can do it today and say, God, I, I need your word. I need the breakthrough. I need faith to rise in me because there's little faith. This kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Let me ask you a question as we finish. Are there any good listeners here? I know there's not many men putting their hands up. <laughs> We're not noted for being good listeners, especially if the football or the Formula One's on. But, you know, when your wife's having a conversation to you, and she said, what did I just say? And you have no idea. Some of you have done that. Last week, it was something that seemed to be highlighted. And, and then on Friday night, Kerry led, led us into that little period of waiting in God. It's, it's good. I love the vibrant stuff, but there's also time we need to be still before the Lord. And if we're talking about faith, one of the most famous verses in the New Testament is Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And some of you think, yeah, yeah, I listen to the preaching. Yeah, 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 you know. That's not what it's talking about. It's not hearing it in an auditory sense. The word that's actually used means an inner spiritual hearing that goes with receiving faith from God. It's a spiritual hearing where we discern God's voice. That's a surprise to some of you, isn't it? Because you've always thought, oh, I just need to hear the word. It's more than simply hearing it with your physical ears. It's having a spiritual hearing. It's having that discerning, God, what are you speaking into me through that? And Paul said that of the Galatian church. It's believing what you heard. It's receiving it and believing it. Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And so I want to challenge you this morning, church. I want to encourage you. Do you have ears to hear what he's saying to you? Do you have ears to hear the shifts he wants to make in your life? The limiting beliefs that we'll talk about next week that he wants to remove. Do you have ears to hear? Because here's one thing I'm learning as I fast again. And this is from a good Irishman. 
Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's not talking about the written word primarily. It's talking about the word that God speaks. It's the rhema word. It's the specific word that God speaks into us and quickens us. Do you know when you know, he, has he read my email? How does he know that? What's he, who told him? Do you know that type? It's when God comes in and quickens it to your heart and you know the words from you. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Come on, can we posture our, our hearts and our hands and our ears to really hear what it is God's saying? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you want us to have faith and not waver in unbelief, but to have faith in your character, to have faith in your nature, to have faith in who you are, because Jesus, you said you can do all things. Nothing is impossible with you. So Father, we want to stand in faith as we sing that, as we believe it, in the name of Jesus. This today, come and receive from us all that we're able to give. We open up our lives, we open up our hearts. Come and rest on us, we pray. In Jesus' name. The guys are going to sing that again in a minute, so if you stay there, I'm just going to do some announcements if you'd quickly uh, take your seat and uh, we'll, we'll go through these. So if you are a guest here this morning, then uh, there should have been a welcome pack given to you. Uh, if you want to keep in touch with us, then the details are in there how you can do that. If you're watching online, that's newlifecrawley.church forward slash connect. Uh, you can do that and update your details. Next slide, please. For many of you who know, um, our deepest sympathies go to Anthony, uh, whose father passed away on Christmas Day, and it's a funeral tomorrow. So many of us will, will be going to that. Uh, so we, I can't, Anthony, uh, there, we give you our deepest sympathies, and we pray God's blessing on you uh, as you do that. For those of you who don't know, we're, we're started. No one can join now, but we'll do it again. We are having a bereavement course that we're teaching because uh, we believe in dealing with the practical stuff of life as well. Even Jesus wept, so it's quite appropriate that we deal with that process of grief and our sympathies go to you and your family, Anthony. Thank you. As we mentioned, prayer and fasting, and for those of you who haven't, you can start. It's not too late. If seven days were enough for Ezekiel, then you can do it in seven days and hear from God. We have lots of resources on our website. You can scan the QR code or see the Fasting 2024 page. Some recipes and everything in there. Dee's enjoyed some of the recipes. Um, so there's a recipe book in there and uh, lots of stuff that you can do just to, by this stage, it's nice to have some variety, isn't it? If you've been doing it. So there's a few bits of variety. Uh, we can do that. Thank you. Uh, and then we have our final Friday night encounter night, the 26th this Friday night. Um, as Jesus said, on the last and greatest day of the feast, he stood up. Let's make this Friday the last and greatest encounter night, huh? So if you can rearrange, if you can reschedule, if you're sitting at home watching telly. Okay, move on. So next slide, yep. 
Uh, we have a prayer request box uh, that Grace very kindly bought for us, and the prayer team will pick up any requests that are put in there. So that's at the back somewhere underneath some of the coats and various bits and stuff that'll be on the. Thank you. Next week is our international meal. So we can get back on the meat and all the other stuff that we've missed, Sue. So stand up for a minute, Sue. Come on, come on. Are you standing up? Oh, you are, yeah. <laughs> so if you're going to bring something, please, let it's a bring and share. So bring something, if you can, of your national dish. Uh, see Sue afterwards and tell her what you're bringing. We want to have lots of nice stuff. Some salad stuff, I guess, is okay. But some, some main courses, some desserts, a whole range, range of stuff. Please see Sue today. Let's have a feast. You know, there's five major feasts in the Jewish calendar. God doesn't mind a feast. He tells them to celebrate. So we're going to do that next week as we, as we uh, do the dedications as well. So let's have a great time. Let's have lots of food so we go away going, oh, I'm stuffed. Which won't be too difficult, actually, if you've been fasting. Next one. So in two weeks' time, as we said, you were starting a series called Growing a Spirit-Filled Community. So we'll be dealing with that on Sundays. And then David Eden. David, why don't you stand up for anybody who doesn't know you? Uh, David's a retired pastor, and um, he's going to be leading Bible studies each week. But we do need you to sign up because depending on the numbers will determine where the venue will be. Okay, so that's a Google form. It's, it's only two, two questions, your name and your email address and whether you prefer really to be contacted by text or email, whatever. You can scan that. I think I'll put all the announcements out on Signal. So if you're on Signal, you, you'll do that and the link to that. If you intend to do that on a Thursday night, please do sign up for that. We're prophetic, not psychic. So we don't know if you're intending to come. So please see David or sign up online so we can get that organized. And then the final one is giving. We encourage those of you who are regulars to give by standing order uh, because that's the way we can manage things uh, so much easier. You can use the QR code and the machine at the back is working. If you're a guest uh, and you've been blessed today and you'd like to give, then you can do that. If you're online, you can do that through the QR code as well. The verse I quoted earlier is from Psalm 62. It says this, though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Don't set your heart on riches, folks. And one of the ways that I find to, to not have that kind of sense of greed or not have that grasping when it comes to money is to be generous in giving. It releases you. So don't set your heart on money. Set your heart on things above where Christ reigns. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that you enjoyed the teaching. We'd love to hear from you, so please contact us. All the details can be found on our website. God bless. God bless.